This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Very glad to have you along here in what will be a, a shortened holiday week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, I guess we can finally say that now. I uh, will not say Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah just yet. I need to get through Thanksgiving first. It is one of my favorite holidays, and so I want to cherish this week, uh, even though everywhere I go it's already Christmas. Uh, anyway, it's going to be a fun week, too, with regard to the Saints and the Pelicans. The Saints, uh, of course, idle yesterday after their Thursday game, so we don't really have a Saints Monday for you, per se. We will talk NFL today. A crazy weekend uh, in the league again. I think Daniel told me four missed extra points is, is by his count. Twelve. Why did I say four? Twelve missed extra points. And Kansas City, who never loses at home, can't beat Tampa Bay and help us out. Man, I tell you what. Anyway, nonetheless, Atlanta was off, so nothing to track there. Obviously, the Saints and the Panthers already uh, decided uh, their weekend last Thursday. So that's kind of where the NFC South stands. Um, you know, otherwise, there were other, other than missed extra points, there were some other things to digest in the NFL. And we're going to do that today with one of our favorite national guests, Jared Bell from USA Today and ESPN, is uh, with us today. He visited just a short time ago with our own Daniel Salerson. So that'll be uh, our NFL segment for you today. And then on the NBA side, we actually have a little bit of news this morning. Uh, the Pelicans are practicing and doing so with a new player today. I don't know if you noticed over the weekend, but um, Archie Goodwin has been released by the team, and that allows now a roster spot for a young na- young man by the name of Anthony Brown, whom I think you're going to like. He's a six-seven, small forward. Uh, he's a Stanford guy, can really shoot the lights out. He has been averaging like up over 30 a game in the D League after being let go by the Lakers. And the only reason the Lakers let him go after training camp is because they didn't they didn't have a spot for him. The Lakers have that young, dynamic team, uh, and so they just it was one of those deals where they wanted to keep him, they just couldn't, and uh, and so they let him go. And the Pelicans here and Dell Demps have uh, taken the opportunity to scoop him up before uh, before anybody else does. And I think that that was kind of getting to be the case, especially with what he was doing for the uh, Erie BayHawks. He was averaging, I said a little over 30. It's actually 29.3 points per game. And he's shooting a 56% from the field and 65% from three-point, okay? Man, if, if, if that's the kind of guy he can be at the NBA level, look out. Here we go. It could be one of those, those fines. Um, and whether you have to be a little patient with this or not, what do you have to lose at this point? So... So go ahead and take it. And keep in mind, the Pelicans have won four of their last six, and so things might be trending in the right direction. So good news on that front. And, uh, and of course, the Pelicans are back in action at Atlanta tomorrow night. They'll travel today. And then on Wednesday, back home for a little Thanksgiving Eve national television game on ESPN. That tip-off's going to be at 830, and I'll remind you of that before we get out of here on this Monday. But as far as our other NBA conversation goes today, we've got a real fun one with you for you from uh, Steve Martin. The uh, Charlotte Hornets were in town over the weekend. Pelicans won, by the way, as you know. But uh, Steve Martin is uh, their radio voice. He was the television voice of the Charlotte Hornets pre-2002 and then the New Orleans Hornets as that franchise moved here 
you know, 14 years ago. And so we had a chance to visit with him over the weekend, not, not necessarily about the new Charlotte Hornets, but we kind of took a little walk down memory lane and started getting Steve to share some stories about the early days of this franchise that we know now in New Orleans when it came to New Orleans in 2002. But as the name Hornets, you, you know where the confusion, where it lies. And, and how the two teams' histories ended up being settled as to where they are now. So I hope that you'll find it interesting. I sure did. And it was great to catch up with an old friend, not only of, of, of mine, but of, but of our city and our NBA history here as well. And so Steve Martin will join Jared Bell on our guest list today. So with that being said, we'll take our first time out and we'll uh, jump into the NFL conversation first as uh, Daniel Salerson was uh, able to get Jared Bell. And uh, that is always informative. Stay with us. Get ready for the Red Hot Chili Peppers live in concert. January 10th, Smoothie King Center. With special guest Trombone Shorty and Orleans Avenue and Jack Irons, The Chili Peppers. New album, The Getaway, available now. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets, Ticketmaster.com, and the venue box office. Red Hot Chili Peppers, live. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. It's family night. You take the wife and kids to a new hibachi restaurant. The flames go up, your wife's eyebrows get singed off, and Junior leaves with a black eye, thanks to a projectile shrimp. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans, facing off against the Minnesota Timberwolves the night before Thanksgiving. Pick up a Pierre's Party Pack for tickets, food, and free throws. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, it's time to recap the uh, week that was here in the NFL. And joining me now to do so is Jarrett Bell, NFL columnist for USA Today, also a contributor for ESPN. Jarrett, uh, hope this Monday finds you well. Thanks for coming on today. All good. I am talking from Indianapolis where I got a chance to the Colts beat the Titans once again, 11 in a row for the Colts over Tennessee. Man, does anyone want to take that AFC South crown there, Jared? It doesn't seem like anyone wants to take it. It's been such a close race so far this season. Well, you know, Houston has pretty much been in the driver's seat throughout this thing. But when you look at Houston and you kind of consider how their season has flowed and the lack of production they've had on offense, or at least consistent production, it really makes you wonder. Um, they spent all of the money on Brock Osweiler, but he has hardly been a quarterback that you, you know, look at as really, you know, measuring up to his contract. <laughs> um, right. They haven't been very good on the road. So there's a lot of things you could look at with Houston and poke holes in them. And I think that's why a team like Indianapolis looked at yesterday's game against Tennessee, just like Tennessee looked at the game 
as being an opportunity to really stay in the, in the playoff hunt. Because if they're going to get to the playoffs, it's going to be because they're able to catch Houston. It won't be because they're a wild card team because they're too far back, I, I think, in, in, in that respect. And Houston has a big game tonight against uh, Oakland there in Mexico City. I want to talk about the Packers a little bit because they stood out to me last night, um, losing pretty bad to the Washington Redskins, 42-24. to Jared, a simple question. What is going on with the Packers this year? Yeah, you know, the defense is so depleted, and they can't stop anybody. The game was actually closer than the final score would indicate because Washington kind of, you know, poured it on in the last, you know, five minutes with a couple touchdowns. But um, regardless, Green Bay's defense is, is not very good right now, and I, I don't think it's it's a matter of not having um, the, the, the scheme to play because, you know, Dom Capers, We'll, we'll do a good job of getting his players in the right positions and, and being creative and all of that, but they just don't have the bodies. And so you look at that, and that puts more pressure on the offense. And then, oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers uh, doesn't have a running game to work with. So he was the leading rusher again for his team last night, and that's happened way too much this season. Uh, they don't have the bodies there. They don't have the running game. So you put all that together, and – you know, Green Bay is a mess. And, you know, last year was a tough year for them as well. And they rallied down the stretch and ended up getting into the playoffs as a wild card team, winning a playoff game at Washington, by the way. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, let's talk about this Cowboys team that keeps on rolling 9-1 and one now. And every time I think Dak Prescott playing really well this year, he's going to show uh, his hand as a rookie quarterback, maybe the struggle a little bit. He continues to play well. I mean, can the Cowboys continue this play? throughout the playoffs because right now this team is rolling. Yeah, I think that's what you look at. And, I mean, we're still a few weeks away from the playoffs. So first things first. But um, obviously the Cowboys are fueling much anticipation. And I think regardless of how this season ends for them, we know they are going to be a legitimate team moving forward. They're built for the future. But, you know, you mentioned something right off the top about Dak Prescott that, is really kind of um, interesting about his role, his development this season, his his performance. As the games have gone on, it seems like he's a guy who kind of figures out what's going on, almost like a veteran will do. Okay, you know, one of the things that I've said about him and watching him and, and comparing him to veteran quarterbacks is that sometimes you got the sense that he left some things on the table in mm-hmm. terms of, you know. Uh, deciphering the defenses and not taking full advantage, even though they've been winning through all of that. But I think the one thing that is really impressive about him is that, A, he doesn't have the the turnover issues that a lot of young quarterbacks will have. But beyond that, he seems to figure out what's going on in the midst of the game, what he can exploit, doesn't get too flustered when things don't go well early or go as well as they want early. And then by the end of the game, (laughs) <laughs> he's on fire. And I think that's what happened yesterday against Baltimore. They, hadn't had the, they haven't had the same script every game. They've been able to win these games in different ways, but I think that's been a constant is that, you know, he's a very poised quarterback and he can really get you in the fourth quarter and, and show that he's, he's learned during the process of the game. 
Yeah, poise is a great word to describe Dak Prescott, that's for sure right now. Um, let's move over to the AFC with the Patriots uh, leading the way with 8-2 and two record. Some teams behind them at 7-3, seven 7-2, and three, seven and two, the Raiders. That Basically, that whole AFC West with the uh, Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Raiders. But it, can anyone compete right now, the Patriots in AFC? Who, who's that team that maybe could give the Patriots a run for their money in the AFC right now? Yeah, um, I think somebody can compete with the Patriots. I mean, you know, they have had two losses. Right. <laughs> okay. So it's not like they are undefeated and unbeatable, even though they've got the great Tom Brady back. But sometimes it seems that way. I mean, going into yesterday, they were not the number one seed. They were the number two seed mm-hmm. because Kansas City was actually the number one seed heading into yesterday. And, oh, by the way, the Chiefs lose to Tampa Bay at home. So I think there's still some room in the AFC for some things to, to, to happen. But, yeah, I, I'll give you that. New England is the favorite. They are the team to beat. And if they're the number one seed, um, they will be an even tougher number one seed to beat. But I think the things with the Patriots that you, you have to kind of keep an eye on is, you know, begins with the offensive line. I mean, it was such a problem last year. You go back to the playoffs last year when they lost at Denver. The offensive line was overmatched. When they've had problems this year, it's been with people being able to win those matchups in the trenches and get to Tom Brady. But you can say that about a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. You put pressure on them, they're not as good, okay? So the same thing applies to Tom Brady. And even in one of the games the Patriots won this year against Cincinnati, uh, the Bengals gave New England – you know, all they can handle up front for, like, the first half. Um, So that's one thing to look at. The other thing, New England's defense is not not a top-tier defense when you talk about the best defenses in the NFL. And I'm not saying it's a bad defense. I'm just saying that I think that that defense can be be run on, can be thrown on, can be scored on. And it's – you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure Bill Belichick realizes and he'll keep tweaking and working on it as the season goes on. So maybe by the end of the season they will still be a you know, they will be a defense that's capable of winning a championship. And maybe they have, they're capable right now, but I'm saying it in the sense that they will be even better than they are now because typically that's kinda of how the Patriots roll. They get to play their best ball later in the season. But to, to answer your question, yeah, New England can still be beaten. Yeah, that is uh, good to know. Um, let's talk about the um, kicking game yesterday. 12 missed extra points on Sunday, an NFL record. Um, I think we've started to see the trend more of teams starting to go for two. But with the trend, including weather getting a little worse here with cold and wind uh, moving into December and late November here, and even into the playoffs, how are these mixed extra points going to um, kind of deter teams from going for two or maybe going for two more as the season progresses? Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and it's going to be fun, really, to kind of um, watch how this whole thing develops. Because if you remember, when they changed the extra point rule last year, just last year, you know, the whole premise was we want to make the extra point a lot more exciting. We want it to be an exciting play as opposed to the play where everyone left and went to the refrigerator. <laughs> so they have accomplished that. Um like you said, weather is a factor as the season goes on, and we're in November now, and when you're outdoors, it happens. You know, I was in Indianapolis yesterday in a, you know, in a dome, in a, or an open-air, dome-optional stadium, but they had the roof closed. And, uh, and hey, Adam Vinatieri even missed 
not an extra point yesterday, but a field goal that snapped his NFL record streak at 44 consecutive yeah. field goals. So something was going on with kickers, mm-hmm. indoors, outdoors, anywhere and everywhere. But when I saw the scores come from New York and I saw Chicago lost 6 nothing, you know, the first thought is, okay, a couple of field goals, and then, and then you see, oh, touchdown, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, you see the Giants score a touchdown and no extra point. And the first thing that I thought was, boy, those wins – in the Meadowlands must be really whipping today. And I think that's kind of what we're going to have. And so you've got an extra uh, layer of uh, unpredictability. Now, will more teams go for two-point conversions? I think maybe, generally speaking, there will be an uptick. I don't know if everybody's going to approach it like Mike Tomlin, who has been the king of two-point conversion attempts during his time with the the past couple years anyway. Yeah, it should be interesting going down the road, that's for sure. Even even kickers were missing him in the Dome, like you mentioned yesterday, so definitely a rough day for kickers. Uh, let's talk about the NFC South before I let you go. The Falcons have had a couple chances to maybe sort of run away with it. There's still two games up, uh, actually one game up now in the Bucks, um for the NFC South, but it seems like this whole division is wide open. Even Saints and Carolina is still hanging on by a thread two games back of Atlanta. Um, what do you make of the NFC South with six games left to go? Yeah, there's definitely um, room for optimism, a reason for optimism with those teams chasing Atlanta because we saw the Falcons collapse last year. Now, they've promised us that they won't do it again this year. (laughs) And I think the Falcons are a better team than they were last year, but there is still, with so much football left, and the possibility of anything crazy happening from an injury standpoint from week to week, that... Um, yeah, this thing is, is going to play itself out to the end. And, and I would imagine, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I would imagine they've got some head-to-head matchups with some of those teams in their division still to play. And so when you throw that in, it, it, things, there's still a lot of um, opportunity for things to happen. So um, Atlanta's better than last year. The defense is better than last year. But they're still not you know, a convincing force in terms of, thinking that they can't be caught, and the standings reflect that too. But look at Tampa Bay. I mean, we know about Carolina um, and New Orleans. I I thought for weeks that New Orleans was the team that was positioned to really kind of make this push, and I don't know what it is. And I think just because the fact that, you know, the Saints are generally going to score a bunch of points that they're going to be in games, I think that's kind of the thinking with New Orleans. And then they go in Carolina, and it's like, wow, um, (laughs) <laughs> the game starts out as a defensive struggle, so go figure. But Tampa Bay has been the surprising team. If you remember going back to last year, they played much better down the stretch. Now, there's a new coach this year in Dirk Cutter, but same quarterback in Jameis Winston. And winning in Kansas City was, was so huge because I didn't think they had – I didn't give them a single shot of doing that. And, and I'm usually pretty liberal when it comes to looking at teams going into hostile environments or – young teams going into places and saying, okay, this team could could possibly win if they do A, B, or C. I didn't think there was any way Tampa Bay was going to go in and beat Kansas City. And remember, Kansas City a week before had the great comeback against Carolina. So um, (laughs) a lot of football to go. And and like I said, big-time reason to still have optimism if you are mathematically – This is a good part of the year for the NFL. Still six more weeks to go. Plenty of uh, crazy action to happen in the next six weeks. That's Jarrett Bell, NFL columnist for USA Today, also a contributor for ESPN. Jarrett, I really appreciate the time. Happy holidays. Do you enjoy your Thanksgiving? And uh, we'll talk to you soon. 
All right, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me. All right, Sean Kelly will be back with the voice of the Hornets, Steve Martin. That's yours next on the Black and Blue Report. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Wednesday, November 23rd against the Minnesota Timberwolves. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Well, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets is Steve Martin, who obviously was a voice in New Orleans as well. And uh, it's, maybe some don't remember back to 2002, but Steve Martin was one of those first voices you heard when the NBA returned to the city at that time on the television side. And he's back here tonight. It's always different for guys like you and me that have seen the two franchises and now compete against each other steve uh, there's there'll be times tonight where i'll refer to the pelicans as the hornets and maybe vice versa i don't i don't know about you now that you've adjusted being back in charlotte with that franchise but first of all it's great to see you and i i thought we could walk down memory lane a little bit today yeah i mean uh, tonight there may be occasions where the, the hornets are playing the hornets i don't know I, what is it an inter-squad scrimmage i'm not sure yeah no it, it is strange in that sense can you remember can you remember the first time you walked into this building back in 2002 as, as that team was fresh off the move and getting ready to start not only a new season but a new city too? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, do, I, I, I very much remember it because um, really there haven't been many changes in this building. And, I, and the thing that I liked about it as compared to the building that they were playing in in Charlotte, which was pretty the reason the route that they left, was that it was just had everything that the Hornets needed. You know, as far as luxury seating, proximity to the floor, uh, the upper seats are, you know, just as valuable as the lower seats, or you can you can see the value much better than you could uh, as they were in Charlotte. And there were just so many, you know, it was just I'd never been to New Orleans uh, for any stretch of time 
before I came here then. And, uh, and I fell in love with the city, and I still am very sentimental about it when I come back. So, because uh, it, it's amazing. You have, a, you have great people here, and then you have people who leave here and spend the rest of their lives trying to get back. And, and uh, I, I, I know how they feel because I have a, I have a, I have a New Orleans um, uh, rent, uh, actually house sale site on my on my iPhone, and uh, occasionally my wife sees me looking at it, you know. So she's, like, what's this all about? But I, I don't think I'll be able to make it back. But if it were up to me, I would. Mm, interesting. You guys brought a really good team from Charlotte to New Orleans, if I remember correctly, too. Yes, uh, that was a very good team. Uh, we were on the cusp of uh, we were we'd been to the playoffs. Uh, Paul Silas was coach. Uh, we had a, an exciting young club. Of course, the guy who's working in in, in um, with the Pelicans television right now, David Wesley was part of that. Baron Davis was part of that. Um, an exciting club. Jamal Mashburn was part of that. Um, P.J. Brown, of course, very popular down here. Uh, he was part of all of that as well. So. Uh, it was it was a good club that was a playoff team, and we did make a, a couple of playoff appearances while we were here. So uh, while I was here, yeah. and, and they've and they've gone farther since I left. So what does that say about me? So, <laughs> but it was a it was a great market to come to. Um, the thing that was interesting about it that we found much better than in any other market is that you never knew how many would be here every night, but the walk up here would be tremendous. Usually the walk up you get about. 300 maybe 400 if you're lucky here you could get walk-ups of and by walk-ups these are people who made the decision an hour before game time and and just came up you get a thousand 1500 back then and they were very curious and we put on a big event for them the first year we were here we we had a big draft party hey we're gonna have a big draft party and then the night before the draft we traded the pick i can remember that and uh, so we had no pick we did it to the NBA though too. We had uh, when we were in Charlotte, we had the uh, we hosted the 1996 draft. That was the draft that Tim Duncan was drafted first in, and um, we traded our pick before that draft as well. We still had 12,000 people there, so I just saw some great players. And the good thing there was a kid from Carolina who was taken late in the first round, Serge Swicker, so we could we could keep people in the building at least until then. Do you have a specific memory of the first opening night here in New Orleans? Oh yeah, I, I remember opening night. It, it was it was really I, I I'm hard pressed to remember who it was, uh, but I remember opening night. Every you know there was a big crowd here. This was the place to be seen, um, and it, it was just. And then the way it went, uh, you'd go someplace, and I'd never been a part of this before. But Cox Television would show the game two hours later after it ended. So uh, you you'd be you know. You could be anywhere, out eating somewhere, and then uh, somebody would recognize you, and all of a sudden, well, that's you up there. How do you be up there? And you're here, you know. So, so it was it was exciting, but uh, it, it, those were great days. I I enjoyed my time in New Orleans, and you'd never know who would pop out of the crowd. We had Emeril Lagasse here one night on our broadcast team, and he and Gil McGregor were talking. They were, we were talking, you know, we did basketball and and some recipes and stuff, and they came up with spambalaya. How about that? Do you even remember what that was going to consist of? I, we started talking about something, and, and, and Gil said something to Emeril about some sort of, what, what kind of ingredient have you never cooked with before? And they both looked at each other and instantly thought of Spam, but said, Spambalaya. Oh. It, was, it was unbelievable on the air. So we created a new dish.
I don't, I don't know who that sounds more like, Emeril, who I've met a couple times, or Gil McGregor, because it fits them both. I think uh, Gil brought the Gil out of Emeril, I think, that <laughs> night. Uh, but they, they had a great, I mean, it was a great conversation, and we had many of those. You, you were able to, the thing that I was impressed with in coming to New Orleans is that you could get somebody out of the stands who was either making a movie here or just here because this is an exciting place to be. And you could get them sitting in the broadcast booth and have fun with them all night, or at least for a quarter. Yeah. So, As the television announcer, Steve, did you find yourself having to, I don't know, teach the NBA game to the fan base here in New Orleans? No, they, they pretty much knew what they were. They knew what they were looking at, and they've seen a lot. I mean, these people are pretty into, they're very much into sports, mostly football, mm-hmm. but they understand, they understood basketball, they still do. Uh, and they've got a product that uh, if you just look at this season and what you've been going through already, you had a lot of injuries, got off to a rough start, but now you have Holiday back and things are going to be a lot better, and, and Davis is going to have some help. And uh, uh, everybody, and I think the patience of this crowd is, has always been very good. I mean, they, it's, uh, you know, hey, the, the world is not going to end if there's a double overtime loss. It was exciting. We had a great time. Now let's go have some fun. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the case with most in this city. Let me ask you one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, you know, when you went back to Charlotte, the Bobcats were in place, and then eventually the name and the colors and the logo, for the most part, returned to the city where it was born. And there was a decision made about the history of the two franchises and, and how that would all work out. Um, in the sense that the compromise or the, the agreement was that basically – this Pelicans franchise would take their history back to 02 and include the Oklahoma City right. run, and that Charlotte then would, would take all the history back prior to 2002. Um, sometimes confusing probably for some of us that were a part of both things, uh, but in your opinion, was that handled correctly? Was that the right way to do it? Uh, that was the right way to do it, and it wasn't a unilateral decision that uh, somebody in Charlotte made and ran through the commissioner's office. Uh, uh, the folks here in New Orleans were very, very cooperative. It was a, it, the the whole the communication between the two franchises was very, very good. People from New Orleans said, "Look, we're probably going to give up this name at this date, so be ready." And we were, and so uh, and then we ta- and and the history of the two teams was separated very easily, it, and and everybody was in agreement that that's the way it should be because really it was like it was unique here. When the NBA came back, it was very unique in Charlotte when the NBA came in the first place. Because nobody ever thought that the NBA would come to Charlotte. Charlotte was a mid-level city, you know, and, and on the rise, but not there yet. Now it's there. But uh, back in uh, 1985, when they were trying to make a decision when they were going to expand, they certainly weren't there yet. One more thing, if you don't mind. No, no problem. All right. George Shin. Uh-huh. Will he ever be remembered in a fond way in Charlotte, even with what happened in 2002? And since you were a part of this here as well in New Orleans, what will his legacy be like here in 10 to 20 years, whether he's alive or not? Well, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that uh, people have, if George Chin didn't do it in Charlotte, it wouldn't have gotten done because that was, that was a city that if it was going to expand or go into anywhere, it was going to go into football. Wasn't going to, even though it's such a basketball crazy state. Everybody thought, all right, we can't take on the ACC, even if we're in the middle of it. You know, so we might as well go for something that they can't get, and that is the NFL. And soon enough, sure enough, Jerry Richardson, uh, after several years, started pursuing the NFL uh, uh, for the city of Charlotte. So 
Uh, I think George, George obviously will be regarded and should be probably better here, mm -hmm. but eventually I think uh, you'll see. And, and Michael is kind of, he kept him at an arm's length, but hasn't, you know, totally disregarded uh, George. And, uh, and shouldn't, really, at this point. George did a lot for both cities, I think, and especially for Charlotte. He put them on the professional sports map a lot sooner than anybody thought that he would. Somewhat polarizing, always interesting. Yes. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Steve, great to catch up with you. I owe you myself so much, and uh, glad we got the visit today. Uh, thank you very much. Great to visit with the show. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. You're at a dinner party. You're seated next to a loudmouth. Plus, there's no bread. Why is there no bread? Myrtle the family chow chow seems very interested in you. But you're allergic to Myrtle and you left your inhaler at home. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Minnesota Timberwolves the night before Thanksgiving. Pick up a Pierre's party pack for tickets, food, and free throws. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Thanks again to Steve Martin, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets, and also Jared Bell from USA Today and ESPN, and Daniel Salerson. Great visit uh, between those two guys. Daniel's back tomorrow. He's the host of the Tuesday edition of Black and Blue Report, and he'll preview tomorrow night's game against the Atlanta Hawks with our own Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. And, of course, we've got uh, NFL Fantasy to talk about, as we normally do on Tuesday with Jake Seeley. So that'll be our usual Tuesday fair with its own uh, twist for this Thanksgiving week. You know, we've got games on Thursday, more than one this time around, NFL-wise, and those two big Pelicans games prior to uh, Thanksgiving as well. Our black and blue reports this week will go through Wednesday. We'll take Thursday and Friday uh, off for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday and for Black Friday because Daniel's huge with Black Friday. He wears black and everything. It's crazy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway. And uh, we'll take a pass on this week's Alvin Gentry show, as that is normally a Thursday night airing. And, of course, Thursday being Thanksgiving, we'll pick it up one week from Thursday. And hopefully we'll continue to have great things to talk about. Could be a real good week here for the Pelicans, and hopefully we'll build on last week's 3-1 and one record with all three wins coming at home. All right, so enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. I'm off to Atlanta with the basketball team. Daniel will be with you tomorrow, and then we'll have Pelicans basketball tomorrow night. And we'll uh, also, on Wednesday, uh, before the holiday break, get you a good preview of Saints and Rams uh, coming up this weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. For Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great day, everybody. So long from Studio B here at the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. 
presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.